On today's show, we will be talking to Jay Garrett Green. Thanks for accepting our invitation. Thank you for having me. We believe it's important to tell your story on our show. But before we go deep, let me read to you from the back of his brand new book. That's right, his brand new book. It was just released on yesterday. And uh, I think if I wasn't the first person to get the copy, I was one of the first persons. Uh, Jonathan Garrett Green experienced a relatively normal childhood. He would not know how his upbringing would shape his future. Dealing with various obstacles, Jay, Jay Green would display resiliency like no other. From fighting police in Alabama in 2006 to becoming a human rights advocate. The mind and spirit of Jay Green could not be defeated. Be the change. And again, that's from his brand new book, The Narrative of the Life of Jonathan Garrett Green, A Revolutionary Mind. How My Family, Friends, and PTSD Would Shape Me, as told by himself. I appreciate that, brother. You're very welcome. And I appreciate both of y'all, brothers, for allowing me to be on your show. Yes, sir. For sure. All right. So uh, we're just going to dig in, okay? Right on. Uh, Jay Garrett Green. Who is Jay Garrett Green? Wow. Um, I'm a man of many hats, but right now I am a man who is taking a step back from those hats I wear, in a sense, just because my normal day-to-day was completely abrupted from a police encounter I had January 5th, 2020. Mm. So I had to take a medical leave of absence from my traditional nine to five, where um, normally it's not really a nine to five. I'm an educator in the local school system. I'm a social studies department chair. And so this entire semester, I haven't been able to work because this cop uh, violated my human rights and my civil rights. However, this time has given me a lot to be able to reconnect with myself, really learn who I am. And actually my attorney, uh, Gene Mitchell, he encouraged me to start back writing because I've always been an avid writer. So um, I've actually been done with my book for about a year and a half. And when he encouraged me to start back writing, I caught it up from that year and a half up to a very current, portion of my life Hmm. okay when that happened that police incident that you were referring to i actually saw it on facebook i saw where you released the video and that's not the full video either wow yeah i must tell you all uh, uh that are listening it was a very disturbing sight uh being a man of color myself uh and having some dealings with the police it brought up some memories uh which we will talk about a little bit later But one thing I want to bring up right now, um, because it caught my attention, uh, was you kept saying something in the video. It was, do you have any articulable, am I saying the word right? Articulable facts, yeah. Any articulable facts. And you know, Carlos, sometimes I think I'm a little smarter than what I am. (laughs) So what I wanted to do was actually um, look up what that meant. I thought I had a hunch of what it meant. What I thought it meant was that you you can't just have a hunch while you're arresting me. You got to have some um, solid facts. Uh, Not just solid facts. So think about where those facts are going. If a police writes a pol- if, if a police officer writes a police report, mm-hmm. 
those that report is written in words. So it's a, the ability to articulate is the ability to speak. speak. Right. So what facts can you speak to me right now yeah. that you're going to write in your report? Because you can't just make something up. And that's really what upset the officer gotcha. because he had no articulable facts to justify why he put me in those cuffs. Right. And for you all who are listening, please go uh, to Jay Garrett Green's uh, page. He has a, a public profile as well as his uh, personal page. His uh, video is on there. Matter of fact, we're going to put it on our page. Um, the way that they did, um, Jay Garrett Green, I'm calling him by his whole name. I can't help it. Jay Green. Jay Green. Call me Jonathan. Jay Green. My family calls me Jonathan. Uh, my friends and family call me Jay Green. But yeah. But the way that that officer uh, handled you, and that's what he did. He handled you. Yeah. It was very disturbing. I complied I, with everything he wanted uh, me to comply with. And I've attended, and not only attended, I earned my Juris Doctorate degree. I have my law degree from Southern University Law Center in Baton Rouge. And I know the law. I went to law school so that way I could be a grassroots advocate, not an attorney. So literally what he was doing is my advocacy work that I do in the community to teach people. I teach know your rights seminars and literally me knowing my rights and articulating what I needed to do. And he violated my human rights and civil rights to the utmost. Wow. It sure looked like it from and the video. Once the actual, there's only one camera that has the full footage. It was on the northwest corner of the Circle K Shell by U, UWF, the University of mm-hmm. West Florida, on Nama. Um, there's one camera that caught the entire scene, and uh, we're still waiting to get that. But uh, I know it's there because my legal mind, before I even got an attorney, I was doing paperwork trying to. Uh, but then I end up just uh, sending a, I found out where the corporate office was and I sent a phone call, left a voicemail with the corporate office and they returned a call to me. And I told them to preserve the evidence of that camera footage within that 24 hour put, uh, period. Mm-hmm. So that way it wouldn't be destroyed. I did get a voicemail back from the lady saying that uh, from corporate office that they would preserve that evidence as long as the attorneys from the state or my attorney subpoenaed it. And you're speaking about the convenience store footage. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Because Uh, when that comes out and uh, it's ironic because my attorney just told me that uh, the prosecutor uh, was willing to drop the case. But when she talked to the officer, the officer is just being so hard pressed that he's going to keep pursuing the charges based on the police report, which is literally half of mm, a paragraph. Wow. Saying that I cussed which is why I have a disorderly conduct charge. Oh, wow. But he was the one cussing. Right. I was trying to de-escalate him. I have a background as a mediator, Mm. so I'm a neutral party. I know how to de-escalate. I have a background as a social service worker where I investigated child abuse for the state of Florida with the Department of Children and Families Mm -hmm. for over a year. And I was pretty much a a juvenile probation officer in the state of Alabama for a nonprofit for a period of about two years. And I know de-escalation techniques and that officer on that video and he had no body cam. And that is a in 2020, that's a great injustice to have an officer, a public servant without a body camera where that could really alleviate a lot of problems. Of course. Has the uh, so what I hear you saying, it hasn't been resolved. No, it has not been resolved. And then even more so, I uh, 
I will have, I told you I'm on a medical leave of absence from work. Sure. So uh, it's because I've been previously diagnosed with PTSD and I've had that diagnosis since uh, 2006 from a 2005 trauma, which I discuss in my book. Um, but essentially the original trauma uh, caused me a year later to have an interaction with law enforcement where I ultimately allegedly set the back of the police car on fire, fought the police on side of the road in Loxley, Alabama. And, and this is 2006. I don't even think that that officer had a taser. So I'm on side of I-10 at the age of 19 fighting the police officer in Loxley, Alabama. He's walking toward me and I'm walking towards him. He says, what are you doing in one of the most country southern accents I've ever heard? You know where Loxley is between Pensacola and Mobile, exit 44. And I know very well because I have flashbacks of it. That's why I know the exit number. When I would drive from Mobile to Pensacola or Pensacola to Mobile, I would have flashbacks. I hated the drive. But it took years to even cope with that. You know, so this officer in 2020 when he put his hands on me, didn't even know what he was re-triggering. Mm. This officer didn't even know what he was re-triggering to the point where he sent me on a very bad whirlwind. I didn't only take a medical leave of absence. Seven days later, I was pulled over. Well, not even pulled over. I was detained by uh, Pensacola police uh, at uh, in a parking lot practicing my motorcycle skills and I also was being a legal observer to some interaction that was going down the further down the street but I was not interfering with the officer's investigation they just didn't like the fact that I was there mm -hmm. so a sergeant came and but they end up letting me go from that detention and that increased my paranoia from my PTSD so literally 10 days after the January 5th 2020 arrest and mm -hmm. uh, Four days after that Pensacola police incident interaction, I end up getting a charge where I allegedly uh, battered my mother um, mm. because I had a psychotic break. And uh, it was a domestic violence charge. It's public record. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, that, that charge was thrown out. I got assessed by a forensic psychiatrist, and it was proven that, hey— his streams of different traumas being induced and then uh, when he has police interactions, it causes explosions like to the point where he has no place to put that energy. What do you do? That is a mental health issue. What do you do if you have law enforcement who doesn't know how to interact with someone who's suffering mental health issues, especially when on that scene that day, I asked for medical attention. An ambulance came out. They asked if I wanted to go receive medical attention. I said, I don't think I'm in the capacity to answer that. I will leave it up to you. Mm -hmm. And do you know where they sent me? To the jail. Wow. Wow. So, <laughs> if, if we can, can we actually talk about the, the January 5th? Yeah, incident? most what, definitely. What, what led I, up I, to I, like my book, situation. I'm an open book. Um, I, I feel the most important part of anything is telling a story. Okay. And not just a story, your story. Because you don't know how much it may be able to help someone else. Right. So can we can we go ahead and dive in to yeah. actually what transpired at uh the you know during the situation at, uh, at the Shell Circle K uh I was um there's a there's a disagreement about my identification and its validity hmm. um with between the manager and myself okay. but 
based on that and it wasn't that big of an issue but she was being very rude so i did ask for a corporate's number and her name or employee number mm. and she demanded that i leave the gas station without giving me any of that information which i thought was very unprofessional and i stated that it was unprofessional and i asked if her cashier could give me that information she said no her cashier is new so i said you mean to tell me you have a new employee working a cash register who doesn't have access to the corporate's number through the employee handbook? Wow. But I'm saying this as I'm walking out the door. And as I'm walking out, she says, I'm calling the cops. So me being a non-practicing lawyer, I walk outside, I call dispatch, and I say, hey, did the manager actually call dispatch to report this? She says, yes, stay there. Okay. So I stay there and I, I, I stand off to the distance and just to, you know, not be in the way. But I told dispatch everything that transpired, literally what I'm telling y'all. Mm. And, but that cop, when he arrived, didn't know I had made a call to dispatch as well, tell outlining what happened in the store. Mm. And then it so happened, uh, colleague of mine a comrade actually of mine was in the store just bypassing and no um uh my friend cam and james they pulled up there because they um i called them we were about all all right i'm a kappa J5. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm a member of Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity. And it was J5, and we were about to drive. I was gassing up so we can drive the mobile. Mm-hmm. And they were going to ride with me. They're my Neos. And uh, essentially, I called them because they were wondering why I was late. I said, I'm waiting for the police to get to the shell. And could y'all ride up here? They're actually the ones who caught the footage. Okay. And um, so... Real quick, shout out to Cam Peters, man. That's that's my right bro. On. I coached with him over at uh, West Florida High School, so shout out to him. Right on, right on. <laughs> <laughs> and so essentially, when we are delayed from our trip, they drive up there, and I told them, stay in the car. You don't want to interfere with the officer's investigation, you know, because that would just wound up three black men being arrested as opposed to just me and three black men going through trauma as opposed to just one. Um, So this is going on. Another friend of mine is inside the store who was just passing by getting gas. And he had actually called me. He was like, what you got going on? And uh, I was like, man, wait for the police to get here. He was like, the police? He was like, what do you do? Right. <laughs> and he, I was like, what? this lady got mad at me because she didn't want to, uh, you know, a dispute over the identification. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he's in there trying to check out while she's explaining to the cop what happened. And the cop literally told her and this is what my friend told me well what do you want me to do i have nothing to get him on like so when he came out i asked him when he came out i was explaining to him what happened and then he got really like he was starting to get amped up so my mediation skills kicked in and i'm trying to de-escalate him i'm saying hey do you uh and it's not do you want to calm down it's like i asked him 
I'm just trying to tell my story. He told me to tell the story, but then he keeps cutting me off. So then I say, I, since I see he's not really trying to hear what I'm saying, I just ask him the only question any citizen or any person in this country has to ask. And it's, am I being detained or am I free to go? He said, he, that, and excuse my language, but that really pissed him off. But when I asked, am I being detained or am I free to go? He said, well, you're being detained. I need your identification. I said, what am I being detained for? He says, I need to put you on the warning list for no trespass. That's a valid reason to get my license. Mm -hmm. So I gave it to him. That was articulable fact. Mm -hmm. So he gets my license. As soon as he takes possession of it and my hand comes off of it, he says, well, now you're being arrested because you're not leaving after my warning. Sir, you have my driver's license in my hand. At the moment I operate my vehicle, I'm driving without my license on me. Now, that's not what that really means, but you're trying you're trying to catch me up in some type of way. Mm -hmm. And I'm not oblivious to that. So, sir, can I have my license back? And then he goes to reach for me and I just put my hands in the air. I didn't run, didn't do anything. I put my hands in the air and surrender. Mm -hmm. And when he said I was because he said I was being arrested for failure to leaving after his uh, warning. And I put my hands in the air when he went to reach for me. And I said, what are your articulable facts to justify my arrest? I wasn't trying to leave. I just want to know. Why am I being arrested? So the entire video, you see me being led to his car. Um, and I'm just repeating that statement all the way into the point. Now, this isn't in the video, but the camera that Shell had on the Circle K building will show this. As soon as he gets me on the driver's side of his vehicle, which nobody else was on that side, and he didn't see the camera, which is why I think he did it, but he, I was actually jacked up on the side of the car twice, so the video shows me being jacked up once. So as soon as he gets me on the side of the vehicle, he jacks me up, and then I come down to back to my feet, and I look at him, and the look in his eye, I just yelled, help. I said, help! <laughs> and that pissed him off again. Right. So... When you see the video from me being led to the car to when the video picks back up, I'm in the middle of the parking space next to his vehicle. Now, ask yourself, if I'm pressed against the side of his car about to get in it, mm -hmm. and then the video picks up, I'm in the parking space in the middle of it, how do I get there in an instant? Wow. And it's because I, would, I don't know if I left my feet, but he swung me around from when... I was on side of that vehicle the first time, and then when he gets me on the ground, he puts his knee in the base of my skull, and I narrate that in the video is what you can. I didn't know the video was recording, but I'm just narrating because I'm hoping somebody is recording. Mm -hmm. um, and I say, your knee is in the base of my skull, and it hurts. And he says, good. Oh, I said, it's not good. It hurts. Wow. And... And But before he even did that, the video will show he was jamming his thumb up in my jaw trying to get me to stop asking for help and stop saying, what are your articulable facts to justify? He was trying to get my jaw to clench, wow. but I just kept yelling for help. But he, 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 was, he was seriously violating my human rights. <laughs> and and I, I want to say I'm sorry you had to experience that. Um, that is very um, disheartening. It is, but one one of my comrades from law school, it's a good friend of mine, Jamar Montgomery, he's actually running for U.S. Senate in Louisiana, 30-year-old brother. Wow. Um, 
Right he on. said, yeah. yeah. He said, Shout Jay Green, him. this is light work compared to what our ancestors went through. Oh, wow. Ooh. Yeah. And when he said that, yeah. it, it put something on me. Mm. He said, our ancestors would have died doing what you just did. He said, we're standing up for yourself. Yeah. Exactly. He said, we're in a position where no blood has to be shed. No life has to be lost. And we can obtain equality. Wow. And he told me, keep on doing your work, bro. Yes, definitely. Keep wow. on. I um, perused your website, uh, jgarrettgreen.com. Right um, this, uh, tell us a little bit about your uh, your your organization here, the J. Garrett Green Center to Resolve. Yeah, the J. Garrett Green Center to Resolve, it actually started out as my mediation practice, and then I expanded it. It evolved, and I started doing more community advocacy. So uh, from Breakfast on the Blocks, which uh, I did in January, uh, actually the first one was the day prior to the January 5th police incident, and Breakfast on the Blocks was where me and some of my comrades actually made egg and also egg and cheese sandwiches at fat boys a real sandwich shop okay. over on pace yeah uh, i know where Boulevard. it is yeah. yeah moses williams shout out because he let us use his uh business before it opened to make breakfast sandwiches for people in addicts court we rode by addicts court pensacola village just riding through the street we went to Satoshi. we went to satoshi forest okay. which is the homeless camp uh and uh passed out um, the egg sandwiches to all those places and that's pretty much our triangle of places that we go to but uh, also we go to the Alfred Washburn Center um, and which is a homeless uh, air, area where they can wash clothes, take showers eat and we passed out food there before as well but um, really it's just about giving back to the community and all of that uh it's non-profit type work but that's more so of our philanthropic work i'm still a for-profit business uh, as far as being a black enterprise i believe that's part of my advocacy work teaching people how to become independent business owners mm -hmm. so that way because a lot of people don't realize that your employer id number and your social security number are the exact same thing except they're two different entities mm -hmm. so if you get to llc you limit your liability through this company which right. is what llc stands for you um and that way you don't get sued personally someone sues your company so you can become an employee of your company pay yourself a million dollars have a hundred k in your business uh account and then make the money work for you so the person can only sue the hundred thousand in your business account as opposed to the million in your personal Oh wow! But you got to know how business works. Sure, definitely. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I uh, read a little bit about your upbringing. Um, you mentioned that you uh, grew up with your mother, uh, one sister, uh, in that house, right? Uh, and two two grandparents. Yep, my my mother's parents. Yes. And I noticed you didn't mention your father. Correct. Okay. Uh, he was an influence of my in my father is and was an influence in my life as far as what not to do as far as being a man but i will say since this uh police incident in 2020 he has reached out more um he's been kind of a fair weather friend type in the past but now uh he's been a little more diligent as far as just trying to actually maintain a relationship more than just communicate periodically man 
Your grandfather. Oh man. Who was he to you? He's still alive. So uh, this ninety-year-old blessing that I had as my father figure. Uh, he taught me many things as far as how to conduct myself. My word is my bond. Um, how to look men in the eye, look yeah. people in the eye. Just and th- that's also where I attribute. That's also where I attribute my being an old soul. Um, I'm old school. Yeah. I feel like I was born in the wrong era. <laughs> I was supposed to be around in the '70s or something. But right. um, just because of the movement that's in my head, like the vision that I have and what my family instilled in me. So my grandfather. Uh, he owned Green's Auto Service over on Jordan Street. It was across from the post office, the yellow building that had the okay. Rottweilers outside of it. I don't know if y'all remember that back in the day. But um, <laughs> being from Pensacola, like his ties, the people in the community knew him for being an honest man and being someone that if they didn't have all the money, but they did some other type of work, they may do roof work that, and they may need work done on their car. That's the type of man he was, right. and that's the type of man he is, uh, and uh, it's it's a beautiful thing to see because even with my grandmother having passed uh, three and a half years ago, they were married for sixty five years uh, wow. when he came down here from Hopkins, South Carolina, um, which is right outside Columbia, a very rural uh, town. Uh, the land that my grandfather has up there there's a road on it called Meeting House Road, and that's where the slave owners of my family uh, mm. met to sell the slaves. Mm. Meeting House Road. Is, there's wow. a house where wow. you met to sell my ancestors. I, I was the minister of music for a uh, civil rights worker by the name of Harold Middlebrook. Mm-hmm. He marched with uh, Martin Luther King. He was um, right. on some of the, um, I think there was a, a, a organization called SNCC, yeah, yeah, he was he was uh, with that. But anyway, Student he violent. He was a pastor um, that I served up under as the minister of music, and um, it was Black History Month, and we were playing uh, "We Shall Overcome," and you know we went through all the different stanzas. Right. And one of the deacons chose to sing "We Have Overcome," "We Have Overcome," "We Have Overcome" today. And what happened was the pastor, Reverend Middlebrook, stood up. Mm-hmm. in anger and said we can't sing that not yet we haven't overcome not yet um and i i bring that up because it's interesting to me a young man and i mean that with respect right born in 1986 how you are so interested in the movement and that you know, I'm gonna have to call him. He's still living, and tell him there are people still fighting for our rights. But you, you mentioned something called the seriousness of purpose. I oh, believe yeah. that's whatever that is, uh, is what caused you to go on this, this, this journey. Of- that's actually the motto of Southern University Law Center: is seriousness of purpose. And it's ironic. I speak in my book how my last semester of law school, I was about to drop out of law school because of that purpose that I had and that I take serious because I had a professor who was white. I wasn't enrolled in his class, but I had permission from administration to sit in because I was taking that class with a different professor the next semester. Hmm. And I just wanted to kind of see the content, but I got permission 
and a white student told the professor I wasn't supposed to be in there. The professor called me to the front and told me to get out of the class. Now, in my con law class that I just finished, uh, con law two, um, I took some classes out of sequence uh, because I started as a part-time evening student. But to have a professor, now Southern University Law Center was open because we weren't allowed to go to Louisiana State University mm-hmm. Law Center. Right. Okay. So they opened Southern at the HBCU, the Historically Black College and University. Mm-hmm. They opened Southern University Law Center in 1947, and now you're having a white professor tell a black student at a HBCU to get out the class because a white student is uncomfortable. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> the wow. irony. So I I go to and it's <laughs> that's amazing. I, I go to administration's office. There's no chancellor or vice chancellor available. They're either teaching or in a meeting. And the only part I said so if there were an emergency on this campus right now and they're all in meetings in classrooms, who would you contact? Right. They said, oh, well, the vice chancellor of financial affairs is here. Oh, so I said, well, let me speak to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Right. So I'm talking to him and he tells me, and then he literally tells me, I don't have the, I'm not of the capacity to give you the permission to let you go in there. Mm. He And then he says, based on what you told me, you need to interrupt the chancellor's class and to describe your situation. And ask him. And I, I sat back. I said, so you're telling me to interrupt the chancellor of the law school's class right now because you cannot handle this matter? He said, yes. Oh, wow. So what does Jay Green do other than go knock on the professor's chancellor's classroom door? He looks at the window and keeps teaching. I give him about five minutes because I was interrupting a law school class. And that is not the appropriate thing to do. But I had permission from admin. The person left in charge. He wasn't of capacity to render a decision. So he sent me to where I needed to go. How can I help you? Explain the decision. Or explain to him the uh, matter. And then... He told me I was correct in what I was doing. But then he said he was going to side with the professor. Mm. Wow. And I looked at him and I said, I take my seriousness of purpose serious. Wow. There <laughs> you wow. go. Wow. So, so, so that, that was leading me to, uh, that caused a, a lot of rift and I speak of it in the book, but, uh, uh, I was very close to dropping out of law school uh, my last semester after that, and I was just not going to go back. I was I had done two and a half years, and I was going to call it quits. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. I'm glad you stuck in there uh, with it. Um, yeah, definitely. George Zimmerman, the verdict. Oh, wow. How did that affect you? I was in my first year, first semester of law school when the verdict came out and I was sitting in criminal law class and 
everybody was shocked for the most part. But after that happened, and then very shortly after uh, Michael Ferguson, uh, Michael Brown happened in Ferguson, mm-hmm. Missouri. And at that point, it seemed like every week, one, two, or three black individuals were being killed. Human beings were being killed on the news. Mm. So I believe what I did was cancel my TV subscription because I got tired of looking at the news and seeing black people die. But I was still aware of what was going on from, you know, still reading news articles. But what that encouraged me to do was turn off the TV and get in my law books. Mm -hmm. You had to read cover to cover thousand page books for each class. And your only examination, your only grade in the course is your final. Mm -hmm. So I got in the books because I wanted to be able to affect change. Okay. Um. I'm I'm still trying to wrap my head around what happened at Southern, because that 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 to me is amazing. Yeah, um, I've had I've had a lot of just trying experiences, and but the thing is, being resilient, being able to be optimistic as opposed to pessimistic, and being able to just um, not take no for an answer. Your no is not my end. I'm going to still find away i believe that about you i believe if we were in school together and we're growing up together and uh the teacher told you you couldn't do this or do that that you would be that one that um well (laughs) the reason why uh i have these articulable facts (laughs) no like legit when when i transferred from um in in southern i went from being in the part-time evening program after two years i moved to the full-time day and took an extra course load to still finish in three years. So when I moved from the evening section, I had classmates come to me. They're like, Jay Green, we're going to miss you. We, mm-hmm. we, we love how you challenge the professors. Mm-hmm. But I was confused because I was like, what are y'all talking about? Because right. that's just you. That's just me. Yeah. I was like, I'm just asking a question because I don't know the answer. And I pay my tuition. I want somebody who's been in this field to be able to give me their articulable facts mm-hmm. as to why this is what it is. And they're like, but no, you just, you challenge them. The questions you ask, how you ask. And like, well, no, I, but no, I really appreciate it. Because that's, that's what helped me come to this realization that, uh, and I heard T.D. Jakes actually said that, my normal i'm so complacent in my normal that to others it seems extraordinary but Mm. it's my ordinary gotcha you know yeah you're certified by the supreme court of florida in circuit civil matters and other uh oh excuse me other than uh family mediation I, i can't even read my own handwriting you're certified by the supreme court of florida in Circuit, Circuit Civil Matters. There we go. Other than family. Gotcha. gotcha. So uh, I actually let my uh, certification run just because, um, um, in essence, it provides protections as far as certain immunity. You get the immunity of a judge when you have that certification. Hmm. But there are avenues and caveats that you can mediate and be a neutral party 
uh, without having that certification. So I'm taking more of that avenue for my career and just my advocacy work as opposed to actually being in the court system. Okay. That's what's up. I'm, I'm learning a lot today. This is amazing. No, I appreciate it. I, well, and once again, I, was, I can't thank y'all enough for having me on here. I, I, I love this type of uh, opportunity. Uh, let's take a step back. Uh, you talked about your grandfather. Uh, yeah. My grandfather is, is, I was also raised by my grandparents, and he is just, he means the world to me because he's the one that's shown me how to become a man. What would be the biggest uh, lesson that he taught you? The biggest lesson I would say he taught me was in the ability to keep my word because your yes is your yes, your no is your no. And he taught me that not everyone will who he taught me that not everyone who presents as a friend is your friend Mm. because a lot of people will say things just to get in close with you as opposed to being genuine but he taught me also how to be a good judge of character because of the character he instilled in me and the character he has himself that's what's up let's talk a little bit about the book right on the narrative of the life of jonathan garrett green a revolutionary mind how my family, friends, and PTSD would help shape me, or excuse me, would shape me, as told by himself. What in the world caused you to want to write a book? Well, I really feel my life is a movie. Um, and not in a good way. It'll take you through ups, it'll take you through downs, and it's like anyone else's. But it really helped me put things in perspective. It really helped me put my place in the world and have an understanding of the knowledge of self that I need to have understanding that how I can bring influences of say a Marcus Garvey, a Malcolm X, a Fred Hampton, a Huey P the best ideals and philosophies, how my family, what they instilled in me, how my friends, the experiences good and bad, um, they're being there for me and also being some of my adversaries at times. Uh, but at the end of the day, being able to mold that into the person you see. Now, this book wasn't supposed to be released until May the 5th, right? Or <laughs> what, what, what's up with that? How, did, how, how, how is it that I have a copy of this book in my hand right now? Oh, well, you know somebody sitting in front of you. One and... Uh, <laughs> No, but in seriousness, uh, there's a soft release, a quick release uh, just on Amazon.com right now. It'll be released everywhere uh, as far as BarnesandNoble.com and Amazon um, on May 5th. But right now, uh, just I know people are on lockdown with uh, the stay-at-home order for COVID. And if you want an interesting read... And a very, uh, I've had people already tell me they've read it cover to cover the same day. And mm-hmm. uh, just because it kept them like, wow, they couldn't believe just some of the things I'd gone through and the fact that I'm still pushing on. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because yeah, after talking to you, I, 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 I feel compelled to help you. Uh, not as though that I am in a 
you know, some grand person that can help you, but I just, I want to help, um, because I have similar interests with you, um, as it relates to telling your story, as it relates to raising awareness and fighting for, uh, uh, civil rights and social, uh, justice. Um, and so I want to use the platform that I have to get that word out. So um, I hope that uh, after today that this won't be your last time on the show. Most definitely not. And that was that was <clears throat> excuse me. That was actually the beauty in uh, us connecting because with the Brandon and Carlos show, being able to tell your story, being able to have that awareness about yourself, uh, only helps you be able to help others. Because and I always say you can't love other people if you don't love yourself you have to be selfish first so that way you can be unselfish that's right and until you get that awareness of yourself that knowledge of yourself you're not going to be able to truly be as effective as you can be for what it is you're trying to do what your purpose is in this life right not only is he an author and uh, a lawyer a mediator but jay Garrett green ran for mayor I did. Uh, in Pensacola, here in our sunny uh, city of Pensacola. Um, how, what, was we here in eight? Yeah, we were here. Because uh, Carlos and I are not from here. So right, that's, right. But um, my wife, she, Pensacolians, but yeah. uh, you have made Pensacola your home. Yes. Is, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but my wife uh, knows that you ran for mayor um, and she was telling me about it. But could you elaborate uh, on that for our listening audience? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, what really led to that was in, okay, so in 2017, that August, I went to the Confederate Monument Rally in advocacy of bringing them down that was kind of the time when charlottesville happened Mm -hmm. and Mm. um um when i went out there i was part of the counter protesters advocating to bring down monuments and i got into a verbal i thought it was a good discussion but i was essentially schooling this 70 some year old gentlemen uh about the history of the united states (laughs) (laughs) wow (laughs) at the monument rally Mm. so he 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 said i was because a black man speaking up for himself in a tone like this is being hostile so i went and sat down and crossed my legs there's a video of that too oh wow and uh um I don't know why we are always viewed as hostile if we just happen to speak up for ourselves. Yeah, so I I sat down, crossed my legs, and we continued a conversation. And I'm just telling him, so he gets upset, he starts to walk away, he has a water bottle in his hand. He goes to act like he's going to throw it at my mom, who was the one originally recording. So I get up, and I say, no, you're not going to do that there. And... He then rears back and throws it at me. Why did his <laughs> his attorney got him off six to zero, not guilty? Oh wow! Now the irony in that a gentleman who was on camera hitting, but he was charged wrong. He should have been charged with a uh, battery. Mm. Uh, 
I know he was charged with battery. He should have been charged with assault and battery because they found him not guilty for battery because the jury said they didn't see the actual uh, video. They didn't see in the video the actual water bottle hit me. Mm-hmm. So they didn't believe me, my mom, or the other witness that was there who testified that they saw it hit me. Right. But <laughs> had he been charged with assault, you right. saw that on the video because right. he reared back and threw it. And anybody, right. you know, assault is if you think a battery is going to happen. A battery is when somebody touches you without consent or has an object touch you without consent. So he was charged wrong. The irony in all of this is, but I figured if his attorney can get him off six to zero when he actually did it and there was video footage, I got the same attorney who was working on my case Mm -hmm. and I'm pretty sure he's going to get me off because there's video footage of me doing nothing. Mm. therefore he should get me off and I would hope so so shout out to my attorney I'm not going to say your name just based on the last case uh, that you handled that uh, <laughs> I understand why but it is what it is <laughs> right, I get it so people can get your book right now um, there's a soft release on amazon.com okay. yes so amazon.com um, go and get the book I just received mine this morning and I will have it read by to tonight. Um, go get the book. Also, you can go to jgerritgreen.com. Again, that's jgerritgreen.com. Uh, he has a host of resources and material. Um, it, perhaps you do public speaking. Oh, yeah. Okay. Definitely. And uh, depending on the agency, the entity. Uh, that's very uh, plausible and doable for I, I do community events. Once uh, the coronavirus stuff gets chomped down, I was actually planning on having an event at uh, Sanders Beach that was going to be open to the public. But uh, we got to get a grasp on all of this first. All right, we're going to wrap it up. In doing so, I think I can call you Jay Green now. Most definitely. <laughs> I appreciate that. Jay Green. If you could go back and tell your younger self anything, what would it be? Even though you went through what you have gone through, you didn't mess up. Stay on your course. That's it for the Brandon and Carlos show. Yeah. Be sure to go to our uh, Facebook page and like us so you can subscribe. Also, I had a little brain fart there. Uh, be sure to subscribe. I am so <laughs> excited, y'all, because I uh, have a different we. I need to stop talking about I. We have a different uh, um, platform that we uh, moved our hosting to. And so it uh, um, allows us to be on YouTube, uh, Facebook, etc. So it takes the Facebook Excuse me. It takes the audio and it puts it in a video form. Um, and I was very I, I, I was researching because I really want that to happen because a lot of people don't listen to uh, podcasts. You know what I'm saying? You got to be a, a special individual to listen to podcasts, you know. Uh, however, mostly everyone has um, some sort of so- social media account. Right on. So, right. you know, it's. It, it, we got it, the ability to push it to YouTube now. So we got a YouTube channel. And all you have to do, you know, 
when I was younger, I used to say, just Google me. But now I can actually say it and something actually <laughs> pop up other than my Facebook profile. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so please Google the Brandon and Carlos show. It will show you how to subscribe. Uh, go to YouTube. Put the Brandon and Carlos show in and you can just listen to us. Uh, also, we added a little segment. We just started like two weeks ago about we were going live from our page. And it's just basically the behind the scenes stuff of Carlos and I. Uh, so be sure to go and subscribe the Brandon Carlos show, uh, Facebook page. And then that way you'll be notified when we're live. That's it. Uh, remember during this uh, perilous time, stay in the house and wash them hands. Wash them hands. Thank y'all.